0: Hello my lovelies, this is Kei Sang, your podcast guesting strategist and mentor, cat lover, and the proud host of the Quiet Rebels podcast. This is the place for experts on the rise who are finally ready to stop playing small and to start showing up as the leader they've always been. And contrary to what you might think, you don't have to be the loudest person in the room in order to be heard. You've always been the type to see things differently, and you've always chosen another pathway if the one laid out in front of you just doesn't align with your way of life. You're not alone in this. So to help you on your journey, I'm bringing conscious conversations to the table with myself and guest experts who will help you with the inner work that needs to be done in order to make a positive impact on the world with what you do. I see you. And now it's time to hear you, my friend. So please welcome to The Quiet Rebellion. Hello, my lovely Quiet Rebels. I'm so excited for our special guest today. This is Danielle Favallios, and she's going to be speaking with us about something that we've never covered on the podcast before, and that is thought leadership. I mean, this is an area that like, I don't know about you, but this is like hashtag goals right here (laughs) because, you know, thought leadership to me anyway, it feels like the top of the pyramid is like when you really have reached that part in your business where you have a message to share with the rest of the world and it's your legacy that you want to leave. And so... I'm so excited to dive into this conversation of like how we can really get started what does it really take and what is some internal work they might have to do and I couldn't think of anyone better than Danielle to speak about this because she has a front row seat um you know we're thought leader. she exclusively works with seven eight figure brands and you know I'm very curious to really like hear her thoughts on like what it's been like to work with these amazing people and being a thought leader herself so Danielle thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to chat. Thank
0: you. So before we get into all the goods, I'd love to kind of hear like your own journey, um, you know, becoming a thought leader, because I know you started off in like the fitness industry and then now your current agency and it's really expanded, especially over the last couple of years. So tell us all the things.
1: Yeah, so it's really interesting. I'm a little bit older than all the online um, entrepreneurs, a lot of whom you see today. So, I actually, when I went to college, I got a master's in education because this whole world didn't really exist. And people just went to school and got normal jobs and did those jobs for like 30, 40 years and then they, you know, retired. And so, I taught actually for 12 years. And I've taught you know elementary school, high school, middle school, international school, uh, public school, all the things, and I always had sort of this little like spark of entrepreneurialness in me, but i didn't know that's what it was again, this world wasn't really like a thing, um, so I actually started writing because my husband and I adopted our daughters from Ethiopia, and this was years before like that was a thing, so this was about. We've had them for almost 11 years, but it was about two and a half years before that. And it wasn't very common and people didn't really know, um, like how to keep up with things. We got asked all the time for updates. So I started a blog to just sort of keep family and friends updated on the process. It took two and a half years. And so really grew that blog with all kinds of updates. And, um, that was sort of the age of blogging where blogging became like the cool thing, right? Like this thing that all these people did. And so I kind of turned that blog into just sort of a lifestyle, faith based mom kind of thing. And it was just fun. Like I kept teaching, I just enjoyed this. It was kind of like exciting, like when you got new subscribers or like you got more page views. Uh, But I definitely honed the skill of writing there. not traditional copywriting, but just write like bulk writing, writing a lot. Um, and then I you know continued to teach and we were living overseas in Bangkok, and I was kind of bored and so I decided I wanted to become a personal trainer because I wanted a job where I could wear leggings and <laughs> which is so funny because I actually hate training people. But I did that, and because I was living overseas, I couldn't work at a gym there. I had to run my business online. and so I hired a coach who worked only with female fitness pros at the time. And she also had a digital marketing agency for female fitness pros. So I started kind of growing my fitness business, doing the social media thing. It went pretty well, even though I realized I didn't like it. And she asked if I would write for her when I moved back to the States. And so I was like, sure. So I was teaching all day long. I was a cheerleading coach. And then I was writing probably 15 to 20 hours for her and then for her clients. Mm-hmm. And this was everything. This was like school of hard knocks copywriting. Like, I knew nothing other than blog writing. So, I was doing some blog writing, but then I was doing sales pages. I was doing email sequences. I was doing social media posts. I was doing lead magnets. I was doing like literally anything you could possibly need. And it was all sort of this like, okay, we're writing a sales page today. I'm going to go Google how to write a sales page. <laughs> I do that? So, I just sort of learned. And after about two years and hundreds and hundreds of hours of writing. I, you know, did the copy hackers thing. I started really learning conversion copy and she ended up closing her digital agency to focus solely on her fitness program. I was burned out, swore I was just going to be a teacher forever, leave this whole entrepreneur thing behind, got bored in two months, went back to helping fitness pros initially with their marketing and copy. And then that was a year and a half ago, maybe yeah, almost two years. Uh, September, August, September will be two years, and um, I hustled. Like I just did what I had to do. I took every client, said yes to every, everything. People tell you not to do. I did. I was like, yes, I will write that sales page for four hundred dollars. But what happened? Yeah, I know all the copywriters are cringing right now. Yeah. Um, what happened because I said yes to everything because I hustled my face off. I ended up just growing this large database of people that I wrote for. And they just referred, referred, referred. And now I don't have to market a single thing. And I I get new people every day because I just, like, I was messaging people. I was sending stuff out. I was like, yes, I can do that. And yes, I can do it in two days, right? Um, So that was a really cool thing for me to kind of switch into this idea of like, okay, this, this work, it's not ideal, but what happened was in nine months, I grew my company from nothing to over six figures. Um, what I also realized a few things. I realized that I was the brand that I built. I didn't love anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, the services I was selling, I didn't love anymore. And I grew a lot of confidence. I knew like I can sell, like I can get new clients that, that sort of, um, fear and dread that you have in that beginning of like, what if I don't have enough? I learned that I can find clients. Like this is not, if I, you know, if it's all taken away tomorrow, I can go back and I can find people. So I switched my brand entirely this February. Um, I switched my audience entirely this February. And that really only came because I had worked with clients like the one, the seven, eight figure business owners I'm working with now. And I loved it. And I would never have known, I honestly wouldn't have even known that that whole world existed, um, had I not just hustled and said yes to everything. <laughs> so um, it took a long, long time, but I feel like I'm finally in the sweet spot of where I wanna be. And we're still sh- you know, shifting our services and our offers and things like that. But um, now I own an agency. I do very little writing myself. I'm actually the director of uh, communications and marketing for a company in addition to running my business full time, which (laughs) provides me with lots of time to uh, just hang out and do nothing, you know? Um, (laughs) But yeah, that's sort of where it's, you know, gone. The company's doubled every single year, um, which has been kind of a cool experience, but also there's a lot of growing pains that I've I've learned from, from that. So yeah, it's been, it's been a journey to say the least. Yeah.
0: I was just about to say like, wow, the big question is, now, do you get to work in leggings whenever you want? <laughs> every
1: day. I wear leggings every day and I don't have to train anymore. It's so funny. I really think to myself, like, why did they do that? I hate working out with people. I always want to like, and I'm a super extrovert, but like working out sort of like my time and I put on my headphones. I don't know why I ever thought I would love that, but leggings. So yes, I get to wear leggings whenever I want. Now,
0: Sweet. Well, you know, the goals have been met. <laughs>
1: who cares about money i guess, like okay.
0: <laughs> my goodness well you have been on quite the journey and i and like i love how for you anyway like and like i'm raising my hand here that i know what it is like to be in the trenches doing whatever whenever you can just to get the experience and just to get by like day by day and you know because you've gone through that much hard work you know you know, that you can basically bounce back from anything. Like you said, it's like, if it were to all go away tomorrow, you're still here and you actually made all of that happen. So that's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. And that's a really hard thing. That was super hard for me. You know, I, like I said, I grew up in a world where this whole online entrepreneur thing didn't exist. I was a teacher, a teacher. Teaching is a very stable job. I was a special ed teacher. Like literally I could get a job anywhere, anytime, because there's a massive shortage of special ed teachers basically across the world. So it's this super stable, consistent thing, you know, with benefits and summers off and all the things. And to go from that to like quitting and me being the sole provider for my income was terrifying. And I like, I feel like that season of just hustling and working hard. Like I needed to prove to myself that like Almost that I, I had my own back, like I could do this, you know, like I didn't need to um, rely on something else. Not that there's anything wrong with having a job. I mean, I, there's great companies and if you find one that you want to work with, go work with them. But I know that if I did and I got fired from a job or that company went under or my company went under, like, yeah, that showed me like, okay, we can do this no matter what. So I, I needed to go through that sort of the hard way. Personally, not yeah. everybody does, but I sort of did.
0: Yeah. Some people kind of need a safety net, but I think we're quite similar in that sense. Like if I have a safety net, then I know that I won't give it my all. So I kind of need it to be on fire. (laughs) So I actually can't fall into it. (laughs) Basically.
1: Yeah. And I had, I mean, I had a built in, it was really a test for me. So I left my teaching job. I let them know in April and I had paychecks till the end of August. So I had Mm -hmm. just because of how they do things with teachers. So I knew I had like this three and a half months to make it work to go from and I was at that time making twenty five hundred dollars a month when I quit my job. I may have gone up to about four thousand a month. So I mean it was terrifying, right? But in that time I more than doubled my income. More than doubled. I mean, was well over 10K months by the time I had to actually pull money. From my business to pay myself Mm. so I had a little buffer but it was just enough like you said to put some fire under me
0: yeah absolutely wow you've been on quite the journey and I can't wait for us to really dive into the topic today because yeah (laughs) you've been like through the school of hard knocks basically (laughs) so in your opinion Danielle like we like what is thought leadership I think it's just like this I don't know, it almost feels like the golden snitch in Harry Potter. It's like you can see it, but it's like really difficult to grasp and only a few can actually catch it or like, you know, in this case, get it. So like in your experience and in your opinion as well, like working with thought leaders um, in your current business, what is it really?
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I think that there's sort of this misnomer that thought leadership is just putting content out. Mm. And it's not not just putting up an Instagram post. It's It's not even like putting up a polarizing Instagram post. Thought leadership is really looking at the holes in your market or where it's going and leading your market in that. It's saying, Mm -hmm. no one's talking about this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have a conversation. And when you think of people that we consider thought leaders that are really well known, they're having somewhat unpopular conversations long before that happens. You know, like you think of somebody like Gary Vee, you you know, he cusses a lot, but he (laughs) is talking about things long before everyone else and the market follows him, right? Mm -hmm. So when you are thinking of thought leadership, it's truly stepping into what's next for your market or what's missing for your market or what are people getting wrong in your market and it's often starting the conversations that no one else is having which Mm. is scary but it it really is the only way to build that thought leadership
0: Mm. yeah that I love that so it's just like it's not just like finding the gap it's like you really acknowledge that gap and then you kind of I, I can't even like put it into words what I'm trying to say here because it's just so true. It's the willingness to have really difficult conversations that need to have yeah. for growth.
1: And I think, you know, it's willingness to have conversations that other people don't think are that exciting. I think there's mm. this, um, when you, be, when you, jo- when you kind of start your own business and you join the online space, particularly, and depending on your industry, this is going to look a little different. What people tend to do is just mimic what, you know, yes. coach or thought leaders in their industry or just other, you know, competitors, right. They just mimic that same kind of content. So if Jenny's over here posting this kind of fitness content then, and it, and she gets lots of likes and lots of comments. And I'm going to go over here and post that same kind of content and just hope it works for me. And that sort of copycat is actually just causing you to blend in, right. It's doing mm. that opposite of what everyone says they want to do. Everyone says, I want to stand out. It's so hard. My market's so saturated. And then you look, and their content looks exactly the same as everyone else's content. And so, when you can kind of move past that stage, and I do think there's a, a there's a season for that. When you're brand new and you don't know what to yeah. do, and you're not sure of your audience, you need to test. Like I'm not saying you don't do that, but there's a period of time where that you begin to develop your own beliefs, your own convictions, you get, you see your market more clearly, the more you're in it, you can see the holes, you can see uh, the things that your people are believing that they shouldn't be, the Mm -hmm. mindset issues your people have. Once you begin to see that in your audience, in your market, it's your job, if you want to be a thought leader, to begin to call that out, to begin to have those conversations, to begin to challenge people's thinking, to begin to show them a different way And often that is met with less engagement, less excitement initially, Mm -hmm. because people are like, what is she talking about? That's kind of weird. But what will happen is the market will catch up Mm -hmm. and you will be able to sort of solidify your place in that market. So you're sort of forgoing the initial like... Oh my gosh! Everyone loves me, right? For <laughs> the long term of yes. like, oh, like a Seth Godin, you know, some he's mm. he does things that are, you know, people. I'm sure people think he's crazy. <laughs> he's crazy, but but now everyone's like he's a genius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right? But when he started, at, you know, all of the great, you know, Steve Jobs, it, it was crazy. Like the, these innovators started off looking a little crazy and then they just prove with work and and results that they're not that crazy so um it's being willing to do that which is very scary when you're new in the online world
0: yes and there's something that just came to mind as you're speaking about this when someone's new to their business they can't help but be a copycat because their voice hasn't been heard before because like hey i just got my coaching certification or i've just finished my first copy hackers course and i got the badge for my website um right so would you say that thought leaders they're technically the ones who actually invent the wheel because you know we always get told like like oh you don't need to reinvent the wheel so those are for people who aren't quite at the thought leadership level mm-hmm. but thought leaders the thought leaders they are actually the ones crafting that wheel from scratch would you say that that's the yeah. right analogy for that?
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely part of that, 100%. I think you might be inventing the wheel or you might be inventing the hoverboard that's totally different from the wheel, right? Like you (laughs) are out of that lane and you're moving into an entirely different lane. But yes, I think they're the ones who go ahead. And and the problem is leadership means, by definition, going ahead. It means Mm. you're the one in front of everyone, which is scary. Like when you think, you know, you're you're going on some hike up some mountain to be the first one to do it. It's a lot scarier than being the fifth person who's watched four people go before you. Right. Yeah. So it takes this level of courage to do that. Um, because as we know, every inventor who invented everything, anything is really, you know, they were trying stuff that everybody thought would never work, you know, and everyone thought that's ridiculous. Like, why would you even consider that? And so it's, it's being willing to step in front and say, well, but I still believe this. and that only comes like you said, that only comes when you have really, you know, fine tuned your own voice when you really understand your market, when you really understand the competitors in your market, and you really understand the problems in your market, and you really understand the needs of your people, and then the desires of your people, like where do they want to go? And what are the things they're saying are needs? And what do you actually know to be true about their needs? Because Mm -hmm. often, you know, we say, oh, I want, you know, I want to build this $10 million company. And they're saying, well, all I need is a funnel. That's not their need. I mean, that will get them nowhere. That'll get them to depression and stress and overwhelm real quick, right? Because Mm -hmm. that won't work. So what you have to do is say, you want to get to $10 million. There's 12 steps in between. Let's walk you through them because this is not going to do it for you. So I think that that comes with time and that comes with testing and that comes with putting yourself out there, like being willing to put out content and have people say that's stupid Mm -hmm. or have people say nothing, which is sometimes worse, I think, than getting stupid, you know, just have it be like crickets. Um, Because as you carve out that path, remember, no one's gone before you. You also have to be willing to make mistakes because if no one's gone before you, you're going to screw up. Like, and people might see it because you don't have a template. You're not walking on a path someone's walked before. So it's a really difficult uh, thing for people who are really, you know, perfectionistic and really, you know, type A, every detail has to be exactly right before it goes because there, you don't know what perfect looks like, right? Like there is mm. no example. That's a really hard pill to swallow for a lot of like super high achievers mm. is that there is no path carved out. So how do I know if I'm doing it right?
0: Mm. You
1: don't. Yeah, you don't, which, which is, you know, some personality types do great with that and some really struggle. So mm. just kind of knowing yourself and where you fall in that spectrum, I think.
0: Absolutely. And so on that note, um, so we just kind of pretty much ruled out the perfectionists that aren't willing to change, basically. So who would you say that thought leadership, like for that role, that status even, like who is it actually for and who is it not for? Because it's kind of like how not, not everyone is built to be an entrepreneur. Some people are built to, you know, want to have a career in an already existing company as opposed to creating their own. So, and it, I believe it really applies to thought leadership as well. Not everyone is meant to be a leader. Some people are just generally meant to be followers and that is okay. They're happy that way too. So in your opinion, like, who do you think thought leadership should be for? And like, who should really strive to be one?
1: Um, I think that you really have to assess your goals. So if you are an entrepreneur and your biggest goal is to bring home 250K so you can live a nice, comfortable life and just have money, be able to give some money away, run your company, enjoy your lifestyle, that's pretty doable while being relatively unknown. I mean, really and truly, you can grow that level of business. Without building this extreme thought leadership, if you're good at what you do, right? If you have the Mm -hmm. skills to do what you're doing and selling it, you'll be fine. If you're someone who's looking to be the next Oprah or you want to build a brand that is known worldwide, um, then you're going to need to step into some thought leadership because you cannot build the mass that you need to build that type of brand if you are just like everyone else. It's yeah. just not, you can't be Pepsi or Coke. Mm-hmm. If you're just like every other, like knockoff brand, right? Like you have to be the one who's setting it up differently. So I think your goals, you know, depending on what your goals are and there is no right or wrong. I think we have this idea. Everyone should want to build this $10 million company. You don't have to like, it's, what do you want for your life? And so what are your goals? I think that you really do need to be someone who is willing to be shot down, um, because Mm. you will, you will get shot down. Uh, people will not always agree with your, what you say. So if you're someone who really, um, needs the approval of your market and your audience, this is probably not a role for you, uh, because you will get some of that, but you will definitely get the opposite. Mm. Um, I also think, and I, you know, I'd love to think everyone is here, but It's really for people who are critical thinkers, It's people who are visionaries. It's for people who really are able to see the big picture, see the vision clearly with that's brand new. So not necessarily, you know, like we can all kind of think, okay, I'm starting out my business and I want to run a million dollar company. That's a, that's a pretty general vision that everybody knows somebody who's done that. And it's really not this revolutionary thing. But when you think about changing something, bringing something into existence that doesn't exist already, except for in your brain, that is a special type of visionary, I think. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that if if that's you, if you have this thing in your mind and you're too scared to say it to somebody because it does sound a little nuts, then you're probably a visionary thought leader. And you probably need to start sharing that and start unraveling it and start writing things down and start, you know, dropping some seeds. Um, I think that, you know, that is often lost in the hustle of like the everyday, but there are people like, and you know who you are because you can't sleep without it. Like you just, there's this something that's like bigger than money, literally driving you forward. And a lot of us in in the entrepreneurial space, we just, we just want to like, have a business and live a life. Like we're not trying to like change the world. We just want to like run our business, maybe hire a few people, change lives like by the people we serve and that, but we're not trying to like change the entire world. And then there's people who like go to bed and they like, it doesn't matter if they're making a hundred million dollars. It's the, that this vision this change in the world or the market that they can't get out of their brain. Um, I think that is definitely those are, those are your thought leaders. Yeah. Um, think anyone who's got expertise in a way that is missing in their market Mm -hmm. we all know what I mean because there's a lot (laughs) of people in every market who have no expertise and they are sharing a bunch of junk and if you are that person you know, maybe you've come from a corporate background and you led massive sales teams, or you were the VP of your department, or you built a company from like zero to two, five, $10 million. And you see these new coaches online saying, you know, use Instagram and leave 20 comments a day. Like that's your best growth strategy. You know, better, like, you know, inside that there's, there's pieces missing. (laughs) Like there's education that people need that they're not getting in your market. And so there's that level of thought leadership too. There's the kind that are just changing the future. And then there's these like little micro thought leaders that are saying like, hold up everyone. <laughs> like, <laughs> You need, you need this information. This is wrong or this is, you know, not right. So I think that there's levels of that. I think most people who have expertise, most people who have you know experience can step into that little mini level of thought leadership. But then there will be those big visionaries who just blow it out of the water. And it's okay to not be that. We can't have the whole world be that either because we'd all be going nuts, right? (laughs) So there's levels of it. And then there's people again, like you might just say, listen, I literally just want to have like a cake shop around the corner. And I'm not trying to be the cake boss. I just want to like (laughs) sell some cakes and like be happy then that's fine too.
0: Mm, I love how you've like broken it down into like different types of thought leaders, because it can just seem like it's like one encompassing thing. But uh, when you're saying the word expert, I was like, oh, okay, I really feel like I need to ask you this question. Like what really makes an expert? Because there are many self-proclaimed experts out there and and like, you know, quite rebel to listening up. are genuine expert. But I just love to hear from you, kind of like what really does make you an expert? Because I know that there are so many people who they just don't see how incredible they are in what they do. And there are some who it's like, it's the opposite. There's imposter complex, you know, where you feel like you're not good enough, right? But there's also, I'm not sure if you heard of this before, it's called the Dunning Kruger effect. And it's the opposite It's where somebody actually has a lot of confidence, even though they've got literally nothing to back it up. And though there are some, yeah, there's a lot of that kind. So I'm just kind of like, you know, for you, Danielle, like how can, how can people just like feel very self-assured in themselves? Like they are genuine experts who can really help people versus the the (laughs) other.
1: Yeah. I think there's a couple of things to consider. Um, I think one of the biggest reasons people don't consider themselves an expert is maybe because they don't have extensive experience in what they're doing, but they have significant experience in another field. So Mm. um, when I was doing conversion copy, I used to think like, well, I just did, you know, writing for this agency. I did a lot. I studied, I did the training, but I realized I taught in a very rough school. I spent years, years learning how to understand the psychology of teaching so that I could get kids to do stuff, right? Like Mm. my whole job all day was basically selling things that these kids did not want. They needed, I don't know, that's debatable in our education system, but they definitely didn't want it. And I had to learn them, learn this content, and learn how to get them to want this content. So I was selling for 12 years. Mm. I was getting kids to do hard things for 12 years. How much easier is it to then convert that into – a sales page where people actually want what you're selling (laughs) where they have a need. I was selling all of this time and didn't realize it. I was studying human psychology. I mean, I have a degree in psychology, but like I spent 12 years understanding what motivates kids to take action. What is writing sales copy? It's understanding what will get people to buy, what's going to motivate someone to make a purchase, right? It's -hmm. the same psychology. So if you had asked me, I didn't have a marketing degree. I didn't have, you know, a communications degree. I wasn't an English major. I had teaching experience for all that time. I had a, an undergrad in psychology and a master's in how people learn. So my expertise did not seem obvious. Mm-hmm. It did not seem like a direct correlation, but it it really impacted how I Was able to work and it was a differentiator. I wasn't like every copywriter. I am not a word nerd. I don't really spend 74 hours over a word, right? I love human behavior. And so I am a people nerd. I'm a psychology nerd. And I will screw up all of your commas and all of your (laughs) semicolons and probably make a whole bunch of mistakes. Thank God for editors. But um, that is because of my background. And so A lot of times experts don't see themselves as experts because it's not a hundred percent directly related. Mm -hmm. But when you really think about your past experience, what is the heart of what you did? Like what's at the heart of what you did? And it actually probably is your best gift to your market because it means you're coming at it from a different angle. So that's one thing, your past experience, obviously trainings, certifications, things like that. Those things make you an expert. I would say once you've been in business long enough, your results make you an expert. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, when I have 25, 30 clients who will say, Danielle is the best copywriter I've worked with, and I'd recommend her to everyone, that's hard to compete with, right? I don't have to say, I'm amazing. Everybody come to me. Now I have people saying it for me, right? Yeah. So there, there's kind of those levels that you go through. and obviously if you can get results for people and you can prove that you have a certain level of expertise. Um, and I do think some of it is just becoming a master. Like you have probably spent lots of time mastering what you do, whether that's coaching, whether that is copywriting, all those little hours you spend in professional development and personal development I'm not telling you to go out there and you know give people a laundry list of your resume, but that is when you look at our world, there are very few people willing to put in the time and effort to master anything. Mm. They want to do something. They want to watch one Tuesday tip from Joanna Weave and say, "I'm a copywriter because I watched this one video and I'm going to do this one thing." So if you're someone who's there and you are studying and you are learning and you are looking at sales pages and you're opening emails and you're building your swipe files and you're dissecting this email you just got, you're building a level of mastery that 85% of people in your field are not doing. And so Mm -hmm. that is in and of itself lends to your expertise. You know, every time you write a sales page you're adding to your level of expertise. So if you've only written two, okay, should you charge a billion dollars? No, because you're not there yet. But when you write four, you're gonna be more of an expert than when you wrote two. And when you write eight, you'll be more and you will continue to grow in that. So your experience, your training, your own commitment to mastery makes you an expert. And the only way you're gonna ever feel like it is to start showing up like it. You will never Mm -hmm. feel good. enough, And there will always be someone better like always like you just have to make peace with that. Like you can own this little piece of the internet world or whatever you do and just own that piece. And it can be as big or as little as you want it to be. There will always be someone better. There will always be someone who charges more or charges less. Just own your piece and commit to being the best you can in that piece and you'll be good you're not going to learn until you get out there and do it. So you can't just sit here and think, am I an expert? Just <laughs> get out there and start doing content, get out there, starting writing blogs, on podcasts, sharing what you got to share. And you will develop that voice of the expert by doing. You can't develop that in your brain. You just have mm. to go out and share it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And as you were speaking about that, I thought to myself, because um, as, as you know, Danielle, that I help people to get booked on podcasts now. And do I have a background in PR? No, I don't but I've actually gone through the trenches like school of hard knocks just like how you have and then I thought about my relative experience in psychology understanding human behavior so I also have a psychology degree and I also um I did public speaker training and that was like really 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 intense and I remember um like it's really sweet when like people say like oh you know you're a natural on video and I'm like no I'm not I've <laughs> I did like a hundred Facebook live streams like even right now on Facebook like every day I get like a memory and it must have been around this time four years ago when I started doing loads of Facebook lives because I see myself four years ago like doing these Facebook lives I'm like oh yeah I remember reaching the hundred mark um because Facebook was like congratulations you've done your hundredth um, live stream video but no one sees you know how much you've done they only see the you now if they've just discovered you but you're right expertise isn't just about the number of years that you put into mm-hmm. the work you do it doesn't have to be directly correlated to the work you're doing now but it's how all of that past stuff positions you very uniquely mm-hmm. as an expert
1: yeah so. and I would say for you your background in copywriting makes you significantly more equipped to be a someone pitching podcasters because that is, it's 85%, 90% <laughs> in the pitch. And that's a skill you have that most people pitching don't have. So even that like weird intersection of things that we sort of write off is like, nah. that's what makes you, and those levels of distinction add to your thought leadership too, because you're going to look at things with the psychology, a writing, a live video, you're, you're going to bring all of that together and that's going to be a new synthesis in your approach that other people in your industry don't have because they have different experiences. So mm. yeah, I think it's a lot of the stuff that we don't see, you know, behind the scenes. I wrote and I was writing for that digital marketing agency. I wrote 30 40 hours a week in addition to a job and a coaching job, like teaching and coaching, and I wrote for 15 20 different people and I didn't get a ton of information. It was me like figuring it out. Like 2000 hours of that like my goodness. I'm sure my stuff that I wrote that when I started <laughs> awful, like I just don't even know ever would pay me for that. But I had to start awful to get good. And I'm sure next year I'll look at stuff I write and I want to throw up because it's so bad, you know, like <laughs> we just all get better as we go. So, yeah, well, we, we
0: all have to start somewhere. And I love what you said, like um, just a while back, kind of like you yeah, you just have to stop, <laughs> awful, but like just knowing that you'll get better like as you like keep going, keep trying and like just stop trying to be perfect because it won't ever be perfect, especially when you're just starting out. And even when you're experienced, it won't be perfect because there's always gonna be someone who's more experienced who's just started before you and that's okay. But it's like just kind of like staying in your own lane and looking at your own progress. I think that in itself, just having blinders on, that is actually really helpful. Um, because when you kind of like look side to side, you actually like take up so much energy looking to side to side that you don't even see where you're going moving forward.
1: Yeah. And I think that will kill your thought leadership real quickly Mm. because it makes you feel like, well, this is so different. Like people don't want this. you know, like when I was working with fitness pros all the time, you know, if you want to grow a fitness business, throw a couple booty pictures up on your Instagram, you'll get tons of likes and engagements. I think that's a terrible way to build a business. But it is a way, and it is a way to do it, and have some level of success. People will pay for that. When I was working with fitness pros, I would ask, "Do you want to build your business that way? Is that what you want? You know, to to sell?" And they, you know, if they had really significant nutrition, you know, these registered dietitians, real trainers who've been in the industry for years, would say, "No, I want people to understand health. I want them to understand hormones. I want them to understand what exercise does." And so we started building out their thought leadership because they all had their own mixture of this is the best way. And so we said, how do we bottle that up and put it into the world in a way that cuts through the noise of booty pictures because <laughs> they're there and that's two thirds of your industry. So if you're not going to post them, which I'm down with. <laughs> um, what are we going to do? That's going to cut through that noise and establish you as someone who actually knows what they're talking about. So you have to, be willing to say, yeah, everyone in my industry is doing that. And it seems to be working, but I'm not going to do that because that's not who I am. And that's not what I want people to know about me. And that's not where I want to lead people. I don't want to lead people to think that the only thing about being healthy is, you know, throwing a booty picture up on Instagram. I want them to be able to run around the yard with their kids. I want them to have a longer life. I want them to be able to go up the stairs and be able to breathe. Those are things that you get to decide how you build your 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 presence, your thought leadership. But it will often mean looking very different than the people around you.
0: Yes, and that's something that you got to be okay with, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So Danielle, what do you think the practical step to become that micro thought leader? You know, someone who is like you know willing to have like uncomfortable conversations, right? And What's happening in their market right now, because the kind of people who are quite rebels, for example, they're rebels because they see things in a different way. There's a part of their industry that they just don't agree with. And the way that they do their work is that, like, OK, you know, what? I'm just going to go this way. So they're not necessarily like loud and abrasive about it. They do want to bring like this new conversation to the table. So what would you say are the best next steps for them to like just really like start owning that micro thought leadership role?
1: Yeah. I mean, and I love that. I don't think you need to name and shame people. I do think Mm -hmm. you want to be direct. I think that, I mean, obviously as copywriters, we know clarity always wins. And so you don't want to leave people wondering what does she believe? What does she think? What, you know, you really want to make sure that you're clear. And I would say, start off wherever you're comfortable. And then I want to challenge you to get a little bit bolder. So, you know, when you look at your market, make a list like today after the show, go make a list of maybe five or six things that you see in your market that are being taught that you have a deep belief and conviction about. You just know they're wrong or they're leading people in the wrong direction or they're damaging to people because there's a lot of things going on that actually have long-term damage to people in terms of their mental health, in terms of the business that they're building, in terms of their physical health, if you're in the you know, health and weight loss. Um so look at your market and figure out what is going on now that is really not good. Then look at the clients you've worked with or the people you've engaged with when you when they come to you they all tell you they need something right they you know I want to lose fifteen pounds or whatever I want to build my business to six figures. There's an underlying motivator there, so what is their underlying motivator? Why do they want to lose fifteen pounds? Why do they want to build their business there and then look at And this is kind of tricky and this does require thought, but I, I guarantee you all probably have this already. Um, when you look at someone who says, okay, I want to lose 15 pounds, say, and it's just this random number and you have no idea. There's usually something about confidence under there. There's usually something about not feeling worthy how they are, or there's something about, you know, wanting to impress people externally. And then you tie it back to the problems in the market. Well, there's all these issues with what we see online in terms of images, in terms of um, expectations, in terms of quick fad diets, quick fixes. And this is true in business. Say you could see the exact same thing for building a six-figure or seven-figure business, right? Exact same. How do I tie, hey, how do I show people you want this and the market's telling you to do this? This won't ever get you there. Like, and here's why. Here's why it won't get you there. And here's why it's a problem. And then you can start teaching them what will get them there. So you take that underlying belief that they have, you look at the broken market and see why, you know, when you look at most of the markets out there, there's a reason people fall for those things. There's a reason people buy $100 wraps. There's a reason people think that one funnel will make you a million dollars with two, one hour of work in your whole life with no ads. Like There's a reason people... <laughs> Yeah. Why do they believe it? Maybe because they want to build a business online and they've heard it's actually a whole lot easier than it really is. Or with what, literally the same thing in fitness, they see these people online and they think, oh, if I do a 10 minute workout every day, I'll have abs like this girl on Instagram. So you're going to show them why, hey, you want this. There's this underlying reason you want this. The market's teaching you this. It's wrong. Here's why. Here's how you actually get what you want. That's one place. That's like ground zero of where you start. Then as you begin to kind of dig into that and people start responding, they're going to tell you more of what they want to hear. And I think that the one thing I want you to remember is that there are people craving what you are going to teach them. There are people who, like one of my uh, biggest clients, she has created this whole launch system. It's unbelievable. I mean, literally people inside her program, every single week I'm in there, every week have multiple six figure launches. It's insane. And it's so much simpler and it's so much easier and it's so much less hassle. But she came to it because she tried all the fancy launch strategies. She did all the like 38 step webinar funnels with the 3 million emails and nothing worked. And it was overwhelming and it was stressful. She invested all this money and she started doing this other way. And then it started working. Everybody was like amazed her clients get insane results and now when people find her and they do this workshop, they're like, oh my gosh, like I thought there was something wrong with me because it wasn't working. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I was doing all the things that all the big gurus say, and it wasn't working. And I thought there was something messed up with me. And then they find out this uh, there's this other way. And they're like, oh, like, thank you. And that's true in every industry. There are people who are frustrated, who are overwhelmed, who are tired, who know within them, something's probably not right, but they don't necessarily have the words. And they're like waiting for someone like you to say it and show them another way. And they're going to be like, Oh, thank you so much. Like I needed this. Right? So yes, there'll be people who think you're crazy, but there will also be people who are obsessed with what you say because they've been looking for it and haven't had the words for it. So as you start to build that out for yourself, just know like your people need what you have and they'll be so thankful when you show them a better way.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's the beautiful way to wrap up this interview, Danielle. Thank you so much for sharing your insights on thought leadership. I've never thought of thought leadership in this way, but it's just now it feels a lot more tangible as well. Like with those last steps that you shared with us. So really appreciate your insights today.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
0: You're welcome. So where can we go to get in touch with you? So, you know, website, Instagram, I believe, is uh, your your
1: primary uh, social media platform. So where should they go? Yeah, you can find me. Firebrand Communication Strategies is my company. Uh, so you can find me on Instagram, firebrand.com. Um, and then I have a podcast called Firebrand Radio. So we do a podcast episode every week and you can join me there.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, my lovelies, I'm going to pop all of those links into the show notes so you can connect with Danielle after this interview. And Danielle, one more question before I let you go. So, my lovelies, if you have been a frequent listener of the podcast, then you know what's coming up next. So whenever you hear the sound effect. It means it's time for a fact of today and the one in the hot seat today is Danielle so Danielle I told you like in the green room what is one weird fact or fun story that you want to share with us today that pretty much no one else can find on your website or your social media
1: yeah I feel like I'm such an open book so this is super hard <laughs> but um I am, I went to this very small Bible college in South Carolina, which I am originally from New York city. So I grew up in Queens, New York, my whole life. Like I went to a high school with 4,600 people. And then I went to this tiny little Bible college with a thousand people in undergrad and grad in this tiny little town in South Carolina. (laughs) And it was the biggest culture shock of my life. I actually, my husband and I and my daughters moved to Bangkok years later. And I always say that the the move from like New York to South Carolina was as big of a culture shock as moving to Bangkok Thailand. Like it was so strange. I just didn't even know that the other half of the world in the South lived so differently. So um I got in lots of trouble as a Yankee in, in the South. I was a little too direct. I had to learn how to kind of southernize my way of sharing my opinion <laughs> so, <laughs> now I like to say every now and then like my inner New Yorker comes out but it's been like tainted or or molded by a gentler southern way so that would be maybe a little something that not everybody knows
0: oh okay so I'm interested in hearing from the uh, the southerners here
1: <laughs> like what they all i learned like I know what like bless her heart means. Like I feel really good. Like I feel really southernized right now. I've been here for, for years, but it's totally different. Totally different. Mm.
0: All right. Well, that's good to know. So culture shock can be a lot more closer than you think than it is. Like you yes. know, across across the pond.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. It was shocking. It was shocking.
0: <laughs> oh, brilliant! Well, Danielle, it's been a pleasure having you here. Thank you so much for coming on to the Quiet Rebels podcast.
1: Yeah. Thanks again. I love chatting.
0: And so my lovely, there we have it. So everything that we mentioned in today's interview will be popped into the show notes. So be sure to head for that link. And if you haven't done so already, I would so love it if you could subscribe to this podcast, because that way you don't miss a single episode and another conscious conversation. And of course, if you feel cool too, I would so appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review, because that really helps other quiet rebels find us oh my goodness okay another great episode and so I will be back same place same time next week for another episode of the choirable podcast so until then my lovely do take care and bye for now